What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sisterhood Debrief. This is Brittany, Alex, and Vernique, and we're going to kick off this episode with prayer and get started. Father God, we thank you so much for allowing us to come together today just to be in your presence and be alive, especially during this um, season in our world, Lord God. We just thank you for your preservation and for your provision, Lord. We ask this episode, bless someone who is listening, um, whether it be from the news that we will present or to the topic that we'll discuss today, or maybe it might be the Can I Preach segment, but we just ask you to let this touch someone and bless someone in your name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to jump right in to this week's What Would You Do? So <clears throat> a little back, oh, excuse me, y'all, a little background. So a group of about 10 to 15 boys jumped a 15-year-old girl in Brooklyn. Mm. They stole her shoes and left her on the sidewalk unconscious. This was all recorded on security cameras, and the video has been circulating around on the internet trying to identify the people the police want help a parent noticed one of the boys was her son and she made him turn himself in now people have an issue with the mom saying why would she make her son turn turn himself in so as a parent what would you do if you saw the video on the internet that's really hard or would you be like i mean i don't know what else she would do like we hiding out i don't know um the way i was raised my mama would have turned me in. We ain't harboring no criminals. Mama I'm going to have a conversation <laughs> with you. <laughs> we'll have a conversation. Uh, first of all, WTF, because this is not how I'm raising you. You embarrassing me in public. You being stupid because you with this group of people who are influencing you. Are you influencing them? I don't know. Maybe a demon possessed you, whatever. But we going to pray. We're going to have this conversation and you're going to have to go on to the police station because when you allow kids to get away with stuff like that, that is, that is exactly how entitlement ensues. Like that's why I have tons of students in my classroom who feel like they don't have to do things because their parents don't hold them accountable. So definitely we'll be holding my child accountable. And it w- it's not just going to be like, oh, I'm going to just talk to him and let him know that that's not okay, but I'm not going to turn him in. No, that's not enough because he's just going to go back out and do the same thing. So you need to be scared straight. Yeah, my <laughs> mom always told us that um, if you do something that's going to get you jail time, that's what you're going to be doing. She's going to put money in your books so you can buy chocolate milk. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna give you some money on your books, though. <laughs> but you did, you did the crime. You gotta do the time. Like, I'm yeah. sorry. Like, uh, uh-uh. I'm, I'm turning you in. Like, I just my conscience mm-hmm. would not allow you, like, for me to look at you every day, knowing that I know that is you, and you did this horrible crime. And I'm at this point, you're, you know, criminal mindset. You are harboring a criminal. Okay. I ain't going to jail for you, boo. Probably in a fugitive. <laughs> you want it? Let's go. <laughs> like, yeah. I ain't going to jail for you. So it's definitely hard. Like, it's definitely hard because I think on one end, um, you're mortified by what, like, the fact that your own child mm-hmm. is capable of something like that. And then, like, they're kids. So I don't know that, you know, they may necessarily have a criminal mindset in the same, in this same way like they're not really thinking 
the same way that we would do that, right? They don't have as much inhibitors to keep them from doing dumb things. Um, and so I think at the end of the day, if they came looking for my child, I would definitely, without a doubt, like be like, yeah, you gotta go. Um, but it's hard. I don't, I don't, it's just hard seeing those two things. And now granted, I would be, like I said, I'd be absolutely mortified, especially because you beat up a little girl. Like, what is wrong with you? Was did this article list the age of the children? Because my my when I read it, I read teenagers. I don't know if it, I inserted it that teenage word. boys. Uh, they, they, they just fifteen yeah. year old girl. So I'm, I, in my mind, said they're around. They're like, probably like 15, same 16, age. Yeah. I would say between thirteen and seventeen ish. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah I mean, like, I, don't, I, I don't know about a child at that point. Yeah, I mean, they're still a child. And again, like I think we do have to keep that that in mind like one their brain doesn't stop going until what 22 or so and then um they're still children like if we want the and i'm not trying to be extra deep but like you being real psychological right now (laughs) just trying to like it's just really difficult i and the the truth of the matter is i have been in circumstances where i have stood in the way of somebody who has done like egregiously wrong and pled for mercy on their behalf. And so I can kind of see both sides of the fence. Um, and it's just hard. To, so I don't judge her for doing that. Like, I think that it's it, that's something that she really had to have felt in order to do. I don't think she did that lightly. Um, and I think, I think I would have to get to that point. Yeah, I think maybe I agree with y'all and I would do it because you do want to teach your children accountability. Um, but it's not as simple as like I don't want to harbor <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know? I, I'm like saying it in a joking manner, yeah. but literally, I'm I, I'm not saying it would be easy to do. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, oh, that's my child. Let me pick up the phone. No, that's why I said we would have a conversation. Like, there would be a conversation. Have a conversation. And there would be definitely prayer because at this point, I'm like, what what is possessing you to do? Especially if I'm not raising you to be this way what caught what causes you to get caught up there would be a whole conversation so like i definitely get the whole like psychology of it um but at the same time if i have not just allowed allowed you to go on and be wild and whatever your whole life and you all of a sudden turn up doing stuff like this yeah we're gonna have to figure out how to get you back right and part of that would be going turning yourself in and i would definitely still beseech you know the judge or whomever on your behalf, Lord, uh, not Lord, but judge my child is, you know, not someone who normally does something like this, if that's the case. Um, but if I'm a mother who's been having a hard time with this child, oh yeah, now you done done something, you're going to have to go get scared straight. Or if I'm a mother who has done, like taught my child better, we'll walk through these steps and I'm still turning you in because there, there needs to be some sort of, um, compense rec what is it recompense for yeah. what you've done and i mean i just again working in a school system it's in a, it's a it starts at like the elementary level so that's what i'm saying 16 like that's not child that's not child behavior childlike behavior anymore that is the onset of criminal activity versus like a child at the playground who stole somebody's tour and pushed them down and just rent went on about their business those are i think those are two different um things and i just feel like if you don't stop it early on that is how it develops into what we can consider criminal activity so 
yeah, there's no way I would just keep them at home and like not allow them to take accountability for this. I was like, no, I didn't take you to the police in the beginning before <clears throat> I forget that I know the Lord and I beat you. Like, I no, like, because I'm going to be, as a parent, like Brittany said, like, when you raise your child a certain way, you're like, why? one, not only are you embarrassing yourself, you are embarrassing me mm-hmm. as your parents. People going to think that I let you do whatever, which is not the case. Um, so I'm, have to, I'm like, boy, come on. Let's but go. how often does the juvenile system actually help people, though? You know what I'm saying? Like, I well, wish the they were just more... It's based on rehabilitation. But a lot of rehabilitation um, is hard to do in the juvenile system if once they're released, they go back to the exact same environment. So, yeah, but I, I, they don't... They, they not... I've, I've worked in the juvenile system, and it's not really effective. Essentially, some of these kids are just... They're beginning they're being released so that way they can begin their adult criminal career because the rehabilitation and, and that, well, what they're calling rehabilitation is not really effective. And so essentially you could be submitting your child. Huh? That starts at home too. Like It absolutely starts at home. But if you as a parent were doing your best, I mean, it's not always like the parent's fault. But I guess my point is, I wish that there was other ways to deal with that, especially in the black community, because essentially we could just be, we're, we could just, she could be giving her child away to forever be revolved um, in and out of the system. Is this, um, would this be the same conversation if the teenagers were white? Like, I'm just wondering if they were point. Asian, like, because my thing is we, I feel I have a very different mindset about criminal. Like I definitely, definitely believe that the justice system does not treat African-Americans as fairly as they treat other groups of um, people. But my thing is don't get yourself caught up in nothing that's going to get you jailed in the first place. That's, that's always my thought. And that's not to say that there aren't people caught up in the system who are actually innocent and didn't really do anything that bad. But I mean, if it was a white person and a group of white boys had jumped a little black girl or another white girl and stomped them into the ground and they were 16, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about, you know, like, uh, like other repercussions. It would be like they need to be called and go to jail. So, like, we wouldn't. I mean, like, I definitely get it. There's discrepancies. But if you know that there's a discrepancy in the way that they treat black people in the criminal justice system, don't get caught up in the criminal. That's true. That's true. But I'm glad you said that. I, I, I agree with you that we wouldn't be having this conversation. But at the same time, I think that they would they would be granted leniency. I guarantee you they would not. If the same two sets of kids went in front of a judge, they would be granted a level of leniency and would more likely be able to continue on with their life than the black kids because they're automatically going to be seen as career criminals at the right. age of 17 and not given the same chance to redeem their lives. And that's my thing. Like if you're not gonna, if you're not going to actually invest in the redemption of these children, well, I wish we could just deal with it as a community, even though that's not gonna happen. Yeah, it's because we don't want people extra, telling our kids what to do. Yeah, I just think we need extra recourse when it comes to dealing with um, certain issues, not all issues, like not yeah. murder, right? Yeah. But certain issues like that, because they're not, those white kids are probably going to get to go on with their lives, go to college and all that, while the black children, because of this incident, will forever 
they're they're more likely to forever be in and out of the criminal justice system. And were they wrong? One hundred percent. But they're just starting their lives. They're really just starting their lives. Yeah, so and that's why I mean that's the same with any child who gets into the criminal into the system in general. Yeah. They're more likely to become a reoccurring. It's the fact of getting caught, the fact of the crimes that you commit, things like that, the circles you run in, the things you do. Like white collar crime is rampant, but we don't hear about that on an everyday basis because it's not gonna right. be news. Um, I just think that as a community, we, I understand your point, but that is the same excuse that we use not to hold our kids accountable. Well, I don't want you to get caught up in the system because you're going to become a career criminal or they're going to treat you this way, but then you don't give them any accountability at home either. At some point you have to be accountable for your actions. And if your actions equate you going to jail to talk about the situation that you were involved in then go be it. The, the, like, that, that's the choice that you made. So you have to answer for it. Like, I yeah. think that at the end of the day, we can't, I understand the argument, like, oh, my son or my daughter, even if it was a girl, like, they're about to enter this thing. Like, I don't know what the judge may or may not do. But if you raise a good kid who has some, some character witnesses, who has somebody to come and plea on their behalf, um, I think that your child will have a fair shot if this is a one-off situation. Now, maybe they've been causing stuff you didn't know about. Maybe they've been stopped at the corner store a couple of times and you had no idea. Like, that's a different situation. And that's what happens a lot of times in the, in the criminal justice system. You think your child did this once or twice. And then when you get there, you find out that, no, the, the corner store guy said they'd have been there stealing the last three years and he has to call the cops on them or they've been out there loitering or they've been out there just hanging with the wrong people yeah. bringing the wrong type of um activity my, my thought is, like what happens if they stomp somebody else into the ground and they die like because the, the intent is not to kill the person it's just oh i'm about to show you i'm a big bad or whatever and then they end up dying and now it is a situation of murder like why not stop it before it gets to that point so i don't know like it's just yeah, that's not something that I feel like I can just say, like, I wouldn't at least call, like, a family, like, an officer that I might be cool with or get some, some somebody to come and talk to me and see, like, what can I do to help him? Like, I'll be telling my child, you need to rat out everybody who's with you. You need to uh, say that whoever made you do this, made you do it so that <laughs> you maybe can get some less time. But yeah, there, I don't, I can't see myself not a lot, uh, not having them take uh, accountability for something like that. Um, yeah. You know, that's just, yeah. And mm-hmm. again, I do agree, but it, we, we serve a God who delights in showing mercy, but we don't um operate within a system that does and that's my concern um let's say that was their first offense and my child has just been hanging out with the wrong people and then got caught up in something stupid um i i'm still as a parent i don't think any of us like you know you have a daughter alex like if kendall did something wrong today like you would be trying to figure out every single way that you can like it's just it's i don't know I guess my point well, is, I just wish that we had a system that we can trust. Too. Like, that's, that's one, not how I was raised. My mom is quick to be like, you do something, oh, well, boo. Like, that's the choice you made. And mm-hmm. I think, like, I've taken that on as a parent. Like, 
can't do not do this there's a consequence like i just think back to a time with my sister my sister and her friends got into some stuff my mom was like they can't police <laughs> like she works for them like it's just that's her that's that's just my family's mindset that's just how i am and i just think that everybody's raised differently everybody has different experiences which cause them to rear their children in different ways and just for me i just feel like it would be a no-brainer for me even if i felt like i can't believe this is my kid yes i would grieve it but i'm just my mindset my train of thought my education would be the consequence that comes from this is based off a choice that you made and you have to deal with it we never know the consequences or of our choices until they are pre- like until they happen. Yeah, and right. I think the the idea of mercy is given throughout the process of child rearing. Like I've told you not to do this. Like I keep reminding you. Here's another warning. You better be careful when you go out with your friends. Don't do anything silly. If they start acting funny, you need to call home, go home. This is why my mom ain't let me hang out with nobody but Alex growing like, up. First of all, I, I like literally never went with nobody. <laughs> but like yeah like that all of that is merciful in action until you get to a point where you just not listening no more it's just like with god with christ like he gives us so many opportunities all right you better stop having sex premarital sex before something happens like you know like this is not right and you keep you keep kind of getting away with it you think you are and then all of a sudden you either you pop up with an sti or something happens to make you realize like oh shoot i should have stopped before it got to this point like i feel like it's the same thing mercy is shown when you don't get caught the first time that's being merciful mercy is shown when when somebody has a conversation with you and don't even know what type of lifestyle you live in they just feel led to say hey i don't know what you got going on but you know just be careful out there in the streets running around with this group of people they're not really all of that is mercy and um from from my understanding of the concept so i feel like if you get to the point where you now getting caught up with the police and they just happen to catch you this time like you know come on we gotta we gotta figure something out so it was a good topic though this should have been our whole little um i know that was that was way too deep (laughs) Uh, that was way too deep for us. Uh, what would you do? Right. Uh, so, yep, a nice little uh, thirty-minute segment right there. Right. Uh, Facebook, but Facebook had it. They was going in on the comments. Yeah. We just gonna hop right into these current events. So, did y'all hear about? I want to start with something that ain't got to do with Corona. Y'all can talk about Corona towards the end. <laughs> but did y'all hear about? Um, Y'all probably didn't because it's local news to the metro Atlanta area, but there was a couple in Conyers, Georgia, um, and right now Conyers is one of the few counties in Georgia that's not like excessively affected by coronavirus. So um, this couple was scheduled to get married at the courthouse and they went to the courthouse. They got all their legal work done and everything. And uh, they were thinking that they were actually gonna get married at the courthouse that day. Uh, But the um, municipal court said that they could not do so. And the lady was like super upset and I totally get it. Like you think you're about to marry the love of your life. She got on her white dress. She got a veil on and everything. And they're telling her that they can't. But there was um, uh, an app, 
uh, entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurial couple who developed an app called WebWeb, WebWed, and they have been um, basically marrying people like on the spot. That is so um, smart. Yes, they're like, they're, it's a lawyer, an ordained minister. Um, she immediately reached out because the lady posted it online <clears throat> or posted it on the app. Um, and she created an impromptu wedding ceremony for them in like 10 minutes. They had like a full wedding in which like it was recorded so that uh, family members could watch. Um, and over the course of this pandemic, they've orchestrated um, or officiated over 450 weddings. Um, the app was created in 2015 for military and military couples um, who were like separated to be able to exchange vows over the app. Um, so yeah, they, um, they, you know, make this couple's day. Packages are super cheap. So if you're trying to get married, they're like four to $900 based on the different services that you require um, legally and technically. Um, but yeah, I thought that was super dope, super dope because um, I have family members who've gotten married during this season and, I mean, I could just imagine, we talked about this, what it would be like if you had to cancel your whole wedding because of Corona. So yeah, that was cool. All I can think about is the fact that I need to come out with an idea that is going to bank me during <laughs> this time. And this, like, that's so genius. Yeah. Of course, yeah. people are gonna wanna get married and they're not gonna be able to, bam, at. Yeah. All I can think about is how but smart the, the, the idea is that this was created in 2015, though. Like, right. You know, so like they, I mean, not that they were like, Corona's coming, let's create this app, but to have like this thing that becomes, it's just like Zoom. Zoom wasn't like popping or it was being utilized, but it wasn't like major until uh, Corona hit and people needed to stay connected more often than not. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think There's a word in there somewhere. There's a word somewhere, in there. child. You dig deep enough. Uh -uh. That's dope, though. Congrats to them. You yeah. a vision because he knows the future. Come on, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's the word. See, we serve a guy. Y'all think y'all get mad at these ideas because they don't pop off in time, but at the appointed time, this is going to be my uh, can I preach? Why? Girl, at the appointed time, <laughs> God will do that for somebody. Yeah, so, so you can establish, and when the time comes. Thank I'm, about, I'm about to shout. I'm telling you, don't <laughs> give up on that idea. It just may not be time yet. See, that's yeah, funny. Oh. Mm, that is my can I preach? Don't look for it later. That's it, right there. Man, yeah. bye. Uh, did y'all hear about? Let's go. <laughs> okay, so did y'all hear about this fool? I mean, 45. <laughs> Talking about, um, <laughs> I had to just remember talking about reopening America, opening America. Okay. So there's a um, plan opening America. in order to open. <laughs> yeah, I know. Don't it sound like a fourth grade? Reason? <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> there's a plan to open um, America by May 1st. Um, at the date of this recording, it is April 18th. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> um, and it's a 14 point plan and it's dependent in order to there's going to be a, a phased comeback is how they put it a three part three part phases and honestly none of the phases include everything going back to normal um, there are criteria in order to begin um, the phases and the criteria include 
um, are broken down by symptom cases in hospitals. So symptoms, they want to see a 14, a downward trajectory of influenza-like symptoms within a 14-day period, as well as a downward trajectory of COVID-like syndrome cases reported within a 14-day period. Um, they want to see a decrease in the number of cases as well as um, positive tests within that 14-day period and then treat all patients without crisis care. Um, so patients that are like sick but are eventually able to go back home, they're wanting that they all are treated and able to go back home and, as well as robust testing program in place for at-risk health workers including emerging antibody testing. To me that sounds like a long time to come um, than just two weeks because we are not like everybody's not really practicing social distancing beaches are opening back up in Florida I mean we're not really at that point where we have made it a national mandate in order for these things to occur uh, so I don't know how it's going to happen but the phases the three phases pretty much without going into too much detail um, include go from like pretty much where we are now but slowly some people are kind of able to go back to work. People who are high risk continue to stay at home even up until phase three. Um, wearing masks in public, masks in public um, consistently. Uh, certain large venues will not reopen until about phase three, where I believe in phase three is where they're going to allow like stadiums and things like that maybe to reopen. Um, but in between that, there's like, yeah, we'll continue to keep them closed. Phase two, some places like uh, churches and um, certain venues will begin to open back up. But it, it still seems premature. Um, even the phases seem premature. Like, even if we get to through phase one, this does not now mean everybody should be stuffed in a church. And imagine how deep these churches are going to be now. Um, and so I'm just really concerned about you know, how we plan on really getting this out of our system. Um, you know, but hey, like the optimistic and the side of me and the believer side of me is like, maybe, you know, God can do it. And and hopefully it works. That's all I can say. I know. Like I said, I feel like it's going to set us back. Like, this is how I feel like we move too quickly. It's like you're trying to walk on a broken leg. Like, bruh, just rest. Exactly. Let it heal. So, I don't know. We'll see, though, y'all, because, like, um, some other states that have plans to open up and stuff like that, but they're saying that if they do reopen and they start to see their numbers go back up, they'll shut back down. So, if you can't stay at home, just stay home. Yep. Save, save us. Save yourself. The more of us who stay at home, the healthier and quicker that we'll recover. Absolutely. Okay, so the next current event, something fun. Um, so did y'all hear about Too Hot to Handle on Netflix? Y'all know I love me a, a good... I was about to say. <laughs> you you know, called Love is Blind, so I I'll have to... Put y'all on Love is Blind. Now I got to put y'all on a new dating show from Netflix called <laughs> Too Hot to Handle. It is a... U Actually, this one is UK-based um, dating show where they have 10 singles that they consider sexy hot um, living in this nice resort, like beachfront house. But the caveat for them staying there is that they cannot kiss or have any intimate activities. Mm. Send them so, up. 
this they don't actually tell them that they can't do this until after they're already in the house and see each other and they already plotting like oh i'm about to be with this part you know i like this person my own this person and they have like this it looks like a lava lamp actually but it's like a google home alexa type thing that comes on if you used to watch like real world and stuff like that how they used to come over over the intercom big brother come over the intercom mm-hmm. or have like the videos and stuff they watch it's kind of like that that same vibe with the little robot um google home assistant thing um it comes in and gives them the rules one of the rules which i haven't watched the show yet it is already available to watch on netflix um it came out yesterday so april 17th um so i am going to binge watch it because i mean what else do i have to do in these quarantine times and i love a good dating show and i think you guys should check it out because we need something to take our minds off of the negative things like of the world and just relax and release what's that what, y'all watch legally bond Rel- relax <laughs> relax relate really <laughs> think of legally bond. but like okay as believers like that's so probably first of all i know a few of us that could be on that show and be like oh so free vacation thanks <laughs> like <laughs> like okay you look good and like <laughs> <laughs> is it really that bad out there like people are like i just can't not jump your bones like yeah do you is. know how problematic that is but i mean you watch a whole I'm show on people trying to manage lust yeah but i think it's more than that i think the fact that you can't kiss either i think that some christians would have a problem with that i get that but i'm not trying to put my lips on no random strangers neither I mean, you do when you get a new man. Okay, but that's my man. I'm just, I'm just saying. saying, like, even the show, they're supposed to be, it's a dating show, so you're supposed to be building connections with people. You're, I get that. Okay, so the connections make it hard. Yeah, like, you're going to be building a connection with somebody in the house that lives with you, you know, that you have easy access to. It may be hard easy. to be like, dang, we can't even kiss, like. Even as a Christian. The the issue is putting people in an environment where they are in close proximity. Like, love is blind made sense because they're separated. They literally couldn't see each other until they were like, yeah, we're ready to get married. Yay. But in this instance, it's like a real world. When they would put all them strangers in the house together, they they don't have phones. They don't, they can't go anywhere. And all you have is like all of this hormonal, like, drive in this space all these hormones drive in this space yeah i'm gonna want to kiss touch feel and and hunch and all that other stuff and that's a tagline it's like managing your horniness or something like that like not the tagline but it's like heading a little um in the trailer Mm -hmm. like watch these people like manage it i still think it'll be interesting i think so watch um because it's kind of like a social experiment i love social experiments so I'm going to watch it. Well, if you're a Christian and don't <laughs> want to have to worry about managing your horniness, um, you should <laughs> get married. I know, you should get married. Um, no, but me and Alex are working on a new project for a dating show, for a Christian dating show. So right now we are actually casting. And so if you're interested in not having to manage your horniness, but to make great connections, um, with other believers, you should apply. We'll put it in the show notes. And also watch when it comes out. It's going to be hilarious and great. 
it'll be, you know, another social experiment. Yeah. Um, but of managing your hormones. This week we're gonna talk about. I'm back. Um, let's talk about. Found Speaking of sex. <laughs> Speaking of <laughs> that's what we're going to be talking about today, guys. We're like, okay. this show, when we created, we wanted to be real. And all three of us are um, like in different spaces. I mean, me and Veronica are still single and Brittany's married. Um, but we thought it would be important just to talk about a topic that is natural mm-hmm. uh, from our different pr- perspectives so we can help you guys, so we can help each other. Um manage during these times and who knew that we were going to be in quarantine when we planned this out we didn't know know. so speaking of quarantine times and and sets let's let's swing to the married woman the only one on the show who can get it in right how's it how is it now that you're in quarantine how does it compare do you have some tips for the married folks um so (laughs) I mean, don't give us too many details because, you know, my virgin ear. Y'all know I'm an open book, so I'm not. But, um, I mean, it's been great. I mean, I honestly can't, unfortunately, imagine what it would look like to not have Chris here during this time. Because I'll be breaking all the rules, going to somebody's house and hanging out. Um, but sex during this time has actually been great. Um, we have been less tired, so it's been more free. free. Quint. I can never say that word. Um, especially because y'all know I'm trying to make a little Rona baby. Um, I keep saying that like I'm joking, but I'm not. I really am. Like I'm about to go try to make one when we get off. Um, so but yeah, I think it's been really like really great. It's allowed us, but it beyond sex, and I want to start here because I don't think it's just like we just laying up having sex all day. Beyond sex, it's allowed us to reconnect on a completely different level that I am really hoping we can continue once outside opens back up and we have to go back to the normalcy of life. Um, We've been able to do a lot of things that are increasing our overall intimacy. Uh, We've been running together every day, working out, um, doing like two a days, uh, actually. And that's allowed us to rekindle a level of intimacy that we established in the beginning of our dating relationship because fitness was always a thing for us to do together um and even during those runs we're having like conversations about just different things that we want out of our marriage and out of our life um we've been cooking together like again the the whole level of intimacy has been reestablished with which allows us to increase our intimacy physically um we've you know tried out some new things and um it's been very you know like enjoyable um, as far as like married people who are in this stage stage right now, we don't have kids. So I can't really speak about people who have children and are married because I know that that's tough. Um, I've seen a lot of discussion about like the married couple is good, but these kids about to run us out of the house. But I would really encourage you all to like take the opportunity to have conversations with your spouse during this time and literally ask them like, what can I do for you today? Like, is there something that you need? Chris and I do that often. Like, is there something that you need me to do for you? 
Um, cause we'd be hurting. Like you want a back rub, foot rub. You want to watch something specific on TV that we haven't watched together. Uh, you want to talk about something like, is there something specific you want for dinner? Like really searching like your spouse's desires during this moment. It could be something as simple as a meal or it could be something as deep as like just changing up the way that you all have some routine uh, laid out in your home. Um, it could be, I saw a post, um, where somebody posted, uh, I think it was uh, Brittany Brodis uh, Smith, she posted about this couple who was literally in their house texting. And even during quarantine, one spouse felt still felt disconnected from the other. And they had to try to find a way to reconnect, like figure out if your connection sexually um, mentally, emotionally has kind of even been, uh, been extended during this time because now you have more time. So you're maybe, maybe working on a project or your job has you working overtime because you're at the house and they want to make sure they can compensate you properly without, um, taking away your pay. So they give, they're giving you more work. So that's taken away from your, your time with your family when you should have more time with them now. So really having those conversations. Um, and then don't be afraid to try new stuff. I mean, you at home, ain't nobody going to get hurt. Tell your kids to go to bed and turn on the TV and turn it up real loud so that, you know, y'all can do what y'all want. You <laughs> see girl, I'm just saying. Hello. But yeah, it's been, it's been great. Yeah. But I like that part that you said about actually like you guys are connecting in a whole nother way. And I think that's really the key. If you want to have good sex, you need um, to good and consistent sex. Mm-hmm. You need to, to continuously be stimulating each other um, in the realm, in all realms of intimacy, right? Not just like, I'm bored, what you doing? Mm-hmm. Okay. But like, how are we enriching one another to where we want to take that next step? So that's really dope that you guys, are, I think you guys are utilizing the time really well. Yeah, we haven't, like, we're not in a space, because we actually, I check in every so often, because I know I'm annoying. I'm, like, a really aggravating wife, because I love to be under Chris, and Chris actually likes space. He's an introvert, so he doesn't, I'm kind of an introvert, too, but he's, like, really an introvert. He don't feed off of, like, being around a bunch of people. He could just play a video game all day and be fine. So I could be aggravating. I'm like, babe, am I, am I getting on your nerves yet? Like, are we about to kill each other yet? And he's like, no. Like, and if we, whenever you start getting that way, I'm going to just go play the video game. Man. We're going to be good. So, yeah, we haven't been, like, aggravating each other or anything um, as of yet. So hopefully it doesn't get to that point. <laughs> what about y'all? What do y'all like? So, like, in a season of singleness, uh, not even just singleness, like, holy singleness because y'all trying to do it guys way like you know just says you no i'm just playing <laughs> girl bye because <laughs> y'all doing it guys way accountability um like, <laughs> because and both of y'all are well alex you're kind of like a introverted extrovert kind of extroverted introvert like <sighs> i don't know how it goes but it's one of them Unless but Veronique is a whole hundred percent extrovert <laughs> Most ninety eight ninety is something because ninety nine point nine percent. So how honestly, does... right now I'm chilling. Yeah, it's a zero point one percent, y'all. How does that yeah. even remotely like connect to sex for you? Because I feel like for the most part. 
y'all might not even be thinking about sex all the time. It's more so like, man, I wish I just had like a boo who could just be here, you know? Yep. So what is it? So that's kind of been my struggle during this time has been like, one, really missing connecting with my friends outside Mm -hmm. the phone. I'm not a phone person, but I've had to relegate all of my relationships to that. So that's been a little (laughs) bit more exhausting than usual. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do it because I know I need the connection. And then like, I, obviously my friends wouldn't hear from me too um but outside of that like I wish I had a little bay yeah. like I do mm-hmm. I wish that I could connect with somebody in that way and and what you said is correct for me um my love language is not physical touch so sex is not often the first thing that comes to mind unless I know it's going to unless I feel not know unless I feel like it's going to connect me with that person even more so if we've done mm-hmm. all of the emotional mental connecting to me like that's the next step um which often can be a problem right because when you're dating like you're not supposed to want to take that next step but well you're supposed to want to that's a healthy that's a healthy continuum Mm -hmm. but just putting it in the right context um and so that's the the difficult thing for me right now has been not not really being not having somebody to connect to in that way um, in order to um, feel kind of that that desire to connect with somebody in on a romantic level, um, but in general, even outside of Corona, it's that that's kind of a desire still. And I mean, it's a little less hard, but it's not super easy because you can't just be out here dating anybody, right? You know, mm-hmm. and so even just finding like the right person to connect with is hard. Um, and I mean, I have my times where we all have our times where we feel like, dang, like it would just be nice to like, you know, <laughs> get it in one time. Yeah. Um, but that's really not my my biggest, biggest struggle. My my biggest struggle is wanting that connection. But I think that's because we're all women. Yeah, I agree. Like one of my biggest issues is just like the connection, the intimacy, like talking and that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to talk. I'm, yeah. Luckily, I have a I have a friend who loves to talk, so me and him be on the phone for hours. Oh, and, okay. No, Stu. Yeah. I know. I knew exactly you were talking about. I was just being funny. It, he can't listen to it. <laughs> but that's still. But does, does that? And I want to know because for me, it doesn't. But for you, does that cover that? Like having a male friend that you like, do you just need some testosterone type energy? It don't matter if it's platonic or romantic. I mean, it doesn't, or- it doesn't like 100% be like, oh, that's like my boo or whatever. But it gives, I don't know. It's something about just, I, I don't know. I can't explain it. It doesn't 100% fulfill like the need for a boo, a bae, whatever. It doesn't because that's not a relationship at all. It's like we don't like we are 100% platonic friends, um, but it does fulfill a need of sometimes you need a male perspective on things, and sometimes mm-hmm. that's, what, that's what you go to your boo and bay about. Sometimes like okay, let me let me see this from your perspective, like because as a female and how my female friends will see it will be like we kind of have the same idea, but from a male perspective, how would this be? Um, so it kind of fulfills that. Um, he fulfills like we are both fools on the phone. So like my need to laugh and just have those good times. Like that's most most of my past relationships have been me and the person just acting a fool, laughing, 
90% of the time. So he fulfills that. Like, I will always get a good laugh on the phone with him. We talk about everything. So it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't 100% fulfill the need, like, like bae, but it helps me, like, hold over. Like, oh, I'm so happy I talked to you. It takes some of the edge off. Yeah, it takes the so, edge I mean, is the young man uh, not playing for our team? I don't understand why. <laughs> we just, I don't know. We've just always been friends. Uh, we met through um, Alpha Maker. Yeah. Oh. He just, you know, in college, the I joined, yeah, I joined co-ed fraternity, service fraternity. So I just have a lot of male friends, like, and me and him just, I ain't sitting on the phone with my with my line brothers. <laughs> hey, well, one, he's not my line brother. But it's just, that was our relationship in college, too. Like, we would sit at each other's house for hours. Like, not just me and him, but, like, a group of us. Like, that's just how we were. And I don't know. It's just, like, me and his relationship just, like, evolved from there. Because it, our relationship really evolved when we started testing each other to ask a relationship advice, we'd be like, so what you think about this? How should I do this? And he'd be like, he don't, it's not that he don't like people I date. He just be like, Alice, you better than that. Like when they start acting crazy. Mm, and, yeah. um, but he, <laughs> see, he's single. I'd be trying to find him a girlfriend all the time. Y'all, he's such a great Because it's you. Because no, it's not. <laughs> if you live in, if you live in South Georgia, <laughs> <laughs> a boo nothing but a car trip Dude, but anyway really cool he's awesome he is like he all right well give him my number since you're playing because i just okay. i don't think he a type running he not but it's cool oh, never mind Got I mean, he's light-skinned that's definitely the first not. thing <laughs> definitely not light bright <laughs> he probably you know what my husband yeah, real good job Oh, definitely saw him my number. I could get over the light skin thing. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. He ain't listening now. He ain't gonna hear this. I know, right? I, I I will say, like, it's weird. I think because, and because I think we're kind of skimping on the topic a little bit simply because. Y'all told me not to go deep, so I ain't gonna deep, okay? Well, I always <laughs> be the one. Like, Brittany sets me up every time, and I feel like I have to go for it. Like, you no, we're not Go ahead. no but I will say it's not like we don't desire it mm-hmm. if I could if I could get <laughs> do you know how stressed I am on a weekly basis I'm not even gonna say a daily basis mm-hmm. like it would be great to just have that as a as a stress reliever like if that wasn't my conviction I probably would have a little buddy like or something like that um but it is my conviction, so you just, have to that. <laughs> um, you just have to manage that. And I think, too, like, I'm also not really into meaningless connections, too. Right. So mm. I'm just not, you know, it, it's not, even if I was in the world or even during times where I didn't take that type of stuff seriously, um, I can't just, like, everybody can't have a piece, you know, type of thing. And so it's definitely hard. It's hard to not be able to express that. Even if you were in a relationship, um, that, that, that intensity to desire to take that step of having sex, like it's hard um, to not do. But I don't know. And I think that's a good, like right now I'm really good. Like right now I'm good. 
But if I was in a relationship, this probably would be a different conversation of like having to manage that. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And to not, mm-hmm. because again, you're connecting, like that's my thing. Like if you, like the, especially as somebody who used to be married, um, like, you know, we have a good day. We've connected. We've done all these things. Like now, what else is there to do? Like, I want to show my appreciation or I want to express that with my body now that we, I've done that with my mm-hmm. mind. Type of thing. So, um, and, and the, I think we talked about this offline, even the transition for me has, was difficult in the beginning because, you know, to go for, I remember at one point being like, dang, had I known the last time that I was going to have sex with my husband was the last time I would have taken more advantage of it or something like that. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, so it is difficult to go from being able to have sex all the time for the most part um, to now getting into a place of like having to yield to the Lord and be abstinent. And I bucked against it for a few months, you know, during my separation and even after a little bit after my divorce, but then recognizing like, then I had a new thing. It wasn't just about not having sex, but it was about making sure that I um, upheld the standard that I'm calling other people to. So as somebody who has a platform on relationships and healthy relations, healthy and godly relationships, I can't be out here busting it wide open at the same time. And so now it became less about me and more about the people that God has entrusted me with and the platform that God has entrusted me with. And not to say that I won't fall, not to say that, you know, I hit the mark all the time, but I, like I have to have a different perspective on it and my why has to be different. I think when it comes to abstinence, you have to know why you're doing it. And it, and sometimes God said, isn't always enough. Right. If we're being honest. Right. Cause in that moment, when things get turned up, you, yeah. you, you yeah. turn down the voice of God. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're not really thinking about that. And so I have to think about the legacy that I want to leave and things like that. And so I don't count days anymore. I just be me. Like every day that I don't fall is because God has kept me. And that's just the way I look at it. I agree. Like it's easy for us to say that like now as someone who isn't in a dating relationship. But if I just think back into times where like I was entertaining somebody from my past, me and him had already been there before. So it was already easy for me to fall back into having sex with him. Like, cause we already crossed that boundary. Um, I even think about when I was engaged, when me and, um, when, when I was engaged, when me and him got, we had dated previously as well. So when we had first like reconnected, he was abstaining from sex and he was like, I don't want to have sex till I get married. Well, we slipped up because again, connections, yeah. we have already, we already crossed that line. He was my first, like, so it's like very strong connection there. He like, I felt so bad because I knew that even though I wasn't in that place yet, he had already made a a commitment to God. And I felt like I didn't help him. Like as your future wife, well, we wasn't engaged at the time. We were just dating, but it was like, I wasn't helping you be a better person, keep your commitment to God. And then he started making excuses for it. He was like, well, you know, I just won't have sex. I told God I wouldn't have sex with anybody new. So it's not like, you're not a new guy now. <laughs> like, we already had sex. And I saw myself doing the same thing. Like, after that engagement ended, um, and I took time for myself to heal, 
I was like, God, I'm not having sex till I'm married. But then I saw myself dating somebody that I had previously dated. And it was mm-hmm. like, well, he's not a new body count. So, because <laughs> that matters, right? <laughs> it's like, you, you're not a new body count. You already counted. Like, I'm not going to add to my body count. Right. That's why I tell right. God, I'm not going to add to my body count. But that's not really, that's not honoring God. Not kind. That's not honoring God at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because that person knew I was trying to, I had changed my life and I had made a commitment to God at that point. He always like, I, I turn to you for spiritual guidance. And then oh, in, okay. in the same day. <laughs> here go like, your guidance right here. Right. Like what, how we go from praying? Well, that's the problem. We go from praying like that level of intimacy. That was a turn on. <laughs> like that level of intimacy, like, cause your guard is down. You're yes. open. Like yeah. you start talking and about. And I do not things. recommend that for couples. I do not recommend yes. praying and stuff like that all the time. Uh, to I don't. I really don't. Like it's just a level of again level of intimacy that opens you up to it, and so it goes. I had to really learn. Like okay, what are my triggers? Because at that time I was still new in my walk with God. I didn't realize that prayer was going to be a trigger. Yeah, having like I'm praying for people. Mm-hmm. Like, what? That's what God want me to do, right? Like, mm-hmm. you don't think about it becoming a trigger and opening you up yeah. to fall for temptation. Um, so, like I said, it's I think it's easy now because I'm not entertaining anybody. Like seriously, but it's, when it gets to that point, it will be harder because I, you know, you know what it's like. But I don't know. Maybe if I don't go backwards, like if I don't date nobody, I already dated. Maybe it won't mm. get difficult. I don't know. Like, cause again, it, in my mind, it's like I already know what it's like to be with you as a single, and so it's like I don't know. It just felt like it was easier to fall into that place with them, rather than somebody new. Yes, familiar. Well, and if somebody new, I feel like I'm just still a little bit more guarded. Um, <laughs> I don't. Uh, for me, I don't. I think it's it's just the connection. I don't know that it would make a difference how new the person is. Uh, it would just more so be like the extent of not how new the person is, as if like, hey, I just met you, but like, yeah, no. if it's somebody I'd never dated before versus somebody that I'm dating for the first time. Uh, I mean, that I dated before versus somebody I'm dating for the first time. Is mm-hmm. this the level of connection that we have? Is what's going to drive that for me? And so, I mean, it's like and, and I think one thing that I would do this time around that I haven't in the past is having a real plan even before exclusivity and having a real plan as to how we're going to do this how we're going to maintain this um yeah. these are the boundaries we have in place this is the accountability we have in place we will not we commit to not doing these things like there are some things that I have to now be mindful of that I really can't do that I enjoy doing such as like Netflix and chilling like after yeah, right. you come to my house I come to your house that's a trigger for me I can't even do that and I know people who are like oh we could do we can't do sleepovers I know that's a trigger for me like you know so things like that I, I have to be committed and have a partner that's also committed to um, upholding those same standards because otherwise it's not gonna work if you're like I'll try and I'm like pushing you it, I it's already a recipe for disaster it has to be that we're all both on the same page yeah, I know the thing, thing that I've experienced is like when I started meeting new people, it's like having that conversation up front. Mm-hmm. As someone who has a kid, people are like, oh, you're not having sex? Like, first of all, like, mean- like, that don't mean that I'm about to have sex. 
any like until I'm married or with <laughs> you. Right. Right. Like I just I don't like people that if you're listening you and you're a guy and you do that, don't do that. It's so rude. I mean, even if you're a, a female, like maybe you're struggling with your walk and you assume if a guy has a kid or stuff like that, like don't assume how people want what people want or if they're trying something new. Like you don't know what type of encounter they've had. They're like, okay, I need to try something new. Or even if you're in a relationship, if your partner has brought up maybe like we need to stop having sex. Like it's something that you guys need to take into prayer separately about how to proceed in your relationship. Right. Yep. Because I've been in that situation. It's like, okay, we're gonna stop having sex and we're doing all these things. Like, oh my it's like you so I also I think it also sets up your marital relationship if the person that you are dealing with in that manner ends up being your spouse. Um I've seen on several occasions personally, um, with like family members and just from hearing stories, the intimacy that you think you have prior Mm -hmm. to marriage when it's based on premarital sex diminishes greatly within your marriage. And I truly believe that God, like it's almost like, um, I don't want to say a punishment or, or, or consequence for not doing it God's way, but it's almost like, well, we did everything before marriage and now within our marriage, and this is not the case for everybody by any means, but I've seen it happen. But within your marriage, it's not like there's nothing left to explore because we've done it all. So it becomes redundant or it becomes um, less frequent or something of that manner. And it's like, what are you, what type of intimacy are you actually building for your marital relationship right. when you are trying to build intimacy in a dating relationship, like really understanding, like I said before, that like this season, yes, more sex is happening in our household, but it's because of the intimacy that we are building. So when you're thinking about it from a dating standpoint, intimacy is literally a thousand other things other than sex. Sex typically is simply physical in a dating relationship, and then it transfers to being physical in a marital relationship. And you have to try to find that intimacy because it was just physical at first. Whereas now, if you're dating, you can find ways to be intimate and it builds the anticipation. It builds your desire to, like what Vernick said, to connect physically um, when it's time to do so. So I think it's, um, it really sets up the foundation for your marriage with your dating relationships um however you handle them so the fact that y'all are like setting those boundaries and you know like i can't be in the house with this person netflix and chilling i we can't sit here and pray together because when you said it i was like we can't pray together but if that's a trigger for you baby like pray by yourself pray for me at your house i'll pray for not you at my house so that we mm-hmm. don't fall like i get it like so i think that's really dope yeah and that's just that's an excellent point just to even wrap that all up <clears throat> is that you don't want to get in a space where the bulk of your intimacy is is sits and rests upon your physical your physical mm-hmm. uh, connection. Mm-hmm. Um, so the culture we have to think of dating when you're dating somebody um, exclusively, you are setting up if you're Christian minded a culture for your marriage. And right. so if we know how to talk to each other, like if we know how to speak each other's love languages, if we know how to um, how to serve one another, if we know how to deal with conflict appropriately, 
if we learn like just all these different things that intimacy is wrapped up in, then we're better for it. We're setting ourselves up for a better foundation um, in our marriage because then we're able to continue those things and we're not solely relying on sex to build intimacy in our marriage or to to connect us. We, you know, so that's really, that's a beautiful way of looking at it is, you know, setting up the culture of your marriage while dating. Yeah. So, let me give y'all a little life update. Let me tell y'all what's going on in my world. Um, We're in, I don't know, like a month into quarantine. I don't know. <laughs> Almost a month in. I don't know. The days are just running together, y'all. The days are running together. Um, But since I've been in quarantine, I have been taking care of my home. Um, It's something that God has like really placed on my heart that I have not made my house a home and that is something that I needed to do. So most of my time since I've been at home has been clean, like deep, deep cleaning, buying stuff, organizing, decorating. Um, and I love it. It's like, because, because my life before I spent not a lot of time at home, I was always got something to do between work with Kendall's schedule, my schedule. It was, I didn't spend a lot of time at home. Like I came home really to eat and sleep for the most part. It's just, I didn't spend a lot of time in my home. I didn't really have much of a desire to decorate it or like to make it feel homey and welcoming. And when I bought my house, I told God that I wanted this to, like I was giving my house back to him because I wanted to be a place where his people could dwell. And I think part of that, even though it, it still is, because that's what I, I, I walk people to my house and I try to make my house welcoming mm-hmm. as much as possible. I still think there's a level of like it feeling like a home and feeling warm um, and not like just these bare walls that helps helps me fulfill that, that promise I gave God in making my house a place where his people can dwell. Because people like to go places where they feel welcome and it feels homey and they feel comforted. Um, and their walls just don't do that. So that's pretty much like my life in quarantine has been decorating besides being also a teacher in my regular mm-hmm. nine to five. <laughs> um, I'm waiting for my check from Kendall School at this moment. <laughs> for, for the work that I am doing. I'm just saying. I, I actually really enjoy it. I think I would enjoy... I took two days off this week from work, from my regular job, um, to just like get stuff together in my house. And it was literally the best two days of this quarantine um, because I was able to focus on the things that were important to me and my daughter and that's important in our home. And like we built a connection. Like a lot of times people are talking about like building a connection with your partner during this time. Mm-hmm. But like, what kind of connections are you building for those with children, with your children during this time? Yes. Um, yes. A lot of kids love language. It's probably quality time, physical touch, words of affirmation. My child will pump you for a compliment. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, she will. She will pump you for a compliment. <laughs> She's like, aren't you proud of me? Mm-hmm. And just do good. Look at this. Like, if she wants your undivided attention, just quality time and words of affirmation. And so this time at home has really allowed me to pour that into her on the continuous basis and making sure that she feels loved and she knows that she's loved and she knows that she's a priority. 
um, during this time, like period, like she knows, like, I know for me, for myself, I just think back as I grew up, like sometimes you, you experience things because you don't know how you feel. Like, you know, your love, but maybe you didn't hear it in the way that you desire to hear it, or you didn't feel the love the way that like in your love language. Um, and now that I'm have a little bit more education on it and I picked up on my child's love language, it's easier to connect with her on that level. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm enjoying actually being at home. I would like if I could work from home forever. Um, I would. I enjoy it a lot. I like being in my house. I love cooking. I have been cooking new things. Mm-hmm. Um, I sometimes I get tired of cooking, but I do like experimenting in the kitchen. Um, I told um, my daughter's dad the other day. I was like, he was asking what she was doing or what she had been eating, and. I said some I, I I made some creamy chicken over noodles for her. And he was like, oh dang. And I was like, uh-uh. My mess skills in the window since we broke up. <laughs> <laughs> the price that went up. The, the price, price is up. Up. I'm telling y'all, the price is gonna like my bay is out there. I hope he know. By the time this quarantine over, I'm gonna be fine. Hello. Whoop up in the kitchen. Fine, nerd. Well, like, yes. yeah, my body's not the way I want it to look. <laughs> and I'm going to whip up anything in the kitchen for you. So, pretty much, uh-huh. my life right now. That's my life update. I'm, in, I'm enjoying this season. And I really I enjoy being in I kind of like being in the house. Not kind of. I like being in the house. Yeah, I don't mind it either. So, I get it. Tired of these children. But other than that. Go on, preach past the meat. You gave us a snippet earlier. I know. But she said, don't come looking. She said, don't come looking. Just like they said to Jesus when they came looking. That was the appetizer. Looking for the Just like when they came looking for Jesus in the tomb. He is not here. Come on. Fill us up, Pastor. (laughs) That was Um, the appetizer we went for the meal. Well, I've kind of been thinking about um, this whole phasing in and um you know opening america again thing and one thing that comes to mind is just healing like the healing process our own individual healing process as somebody um who has experienced divorce and and had to heal through that um one thing actually that i'm finding just for a little bit of transparency um this week god dealt with some areas that i thought that i had moved past and so just opening, like, it's almost like um, it was really just the perfecting and the maturing of the Lord um, in that, you know, yes, you are healthy. Yes, for the most part, you're healed. You walk in wholeness. But there's actually this little area right here that I actually want to confront in you um, that wasn't necessarily uh, had because of divorce, but even prior to it, but that connected to it. And so anyways, with that being said, I think oftentimes when we experience certain things, we immediately want to get up and run and move towards whatever the next phase of life is. And that's a normal experience, right? So even with the whole situation with Corona, we want things to get back to normal as soon as possible. But what we have to be mindful of is like there has been a shock to the system. There has been something that has been abnormal. There's a foreign body um, moving throughout our earth system, as a matter of fact, our global system. And so even when we in, in experience um, individual hurts, traumas, pains, um, shocking situations, 
we our first thing is like how do I get back to normalcy but one two things that I want us to be mindful of is you not only will things never be the same but you actually don't want them to because mm-hmm. what you have been led you to where you are now and so whether it was your fault or not you actually need to become and to evolve into something else right in order to um, instead of protective factors in order to make sure that you never experience this again um and, and it's really important though that when we talk about healing when we when we talk about healing and healing for real right not just putting on masks not just putting on band-aids but really going into whatever wound areas um, or whatever um issues that we have and clearing those things out really dealing with them really digging deep and that may mean sitting out for a season that may mean for some um even or even for in my example of experiencing divorce that may mean not dating for for a certain amount of time that may mean not operating in ministry for a certain amount of time that may mean taking breaks um resting more whatever it is but when we don't take time to heal appropriately and we immediately jump back into a sense of normalcy we're not only not benefiting ourselves, right? We're, we're moving too soon, but we're also, we're also running the risk of um, toxifying other people. So in the case of, you know, America, quote unquote, opening back up, if we move into these phases too soon, we actually may see an increase in death, a sharp increase. And same for you in your own life. If you've experienced any type of hurt or if you've experienced a season where um, you know, you've kind of experienced a shock to your system, take time to really heal because your healing not only depend, is dependent on you, but other people are depending on you to heal and heal correctly. So that way you don't bring them into toxic situations and into toxic places and infect them with your overflow of hurt that could have been dealt with between you and the Lord. And so um, as I have been quoted for saying, um, don't heal to prove a point, heal for real. Don't mm, heal in order that you survived it, but heal um, in order to be healthy and whole again on the other side. Nobody wants a resurgence of coronavirus because that can mean even more time um, away from our friends and our family and our loved ones. Um, so if we take it seriously now, later on, we don't have to deal with the repercussions, but if we move too soon, we will. And so that, that is my can I preach for the day. Um, take time to really heal and to look inwardly and allow God to deal with what's going on inside of you. Um, so that way you can, you can get to your future sooner. I love it. That is good. It's interesting because people are actually being re-diagnosed with coronavirus after being cured and healed. So like that, the point that you brought up just made me think about that. Like if you're not completely healed, don't get into jump into something or get into anything because you will have a resurgence of the same issue. Um, so that was really good. Look at you. See, look at you. A whole meal. I'm you, I was waiting for that ah, meal, girl. full now. That is so funny. Now, I'm a Corona Times preacher. They got End Times preacher. I'm a Corona Times preacher. <laughs> Look, let some folks tell it. Corona is the End Times, okay? <laughs> and, and the people who say that don't read their Bible, but that's a topic for another day. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of the Sisterhood Debrief, where we discuss all things sisterly, Got godly, it. And ratchet, but she's not ratchet though, Alex. Yeah, but I said she's not ratchet. That's just her part. I just like to say it. No, she's fun. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. Have a great (laughs) week.
Ah.